0: to the Navigating Business Podcast, a podcast for agency owners that dives into the extensive world of advertising and marketing agencies. We talk about topics like finance, marketing, scaling, and much more. And you'll notice we're recording in a different place today. So thanks to Chicago Podcast Studio and Tom Brown for allowing us to record in this super cool studio today. This episode, we're going to be diving more into ad spend, agency growth, and more with our guest, Talith Lundeval. Talith is the CEO of Accelerated Digital Media Based right here in Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Talif.
1: What's up, Nate? Thanks for having me.
0: It's good to see you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Talif. You know, I could do an intro, but I'd love for you just to do your own intro.
1: Happy to. Let's see. I was I was born in Norway, came to the U.S. in in the second grade. I went to college in the Northeast, pursued sports for a couple years after college, and from there got a job at Google. At Google, I was part of this pilot program called the Accelerated Growth Team, working with some of the fastest growing. E commerce businesses in North America. And from there, I, I parlayed that experience into founding ADM. And ADM, today, we're a company of 25 people. We specialize in managing digital media for performance focused growing brands. And, and we really operate with strict performance benchmarks and do everything we can to, to hit our clients' growth goals.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. What a cool background. I know you uh, dabbled in professional sports too, but I don't want to force you into talking about (laughs) that, but it is a a fun, fun fact there. So, you know, there's agencies for every specific niche. There's so many agencies, even just here in Chicago, let alone the rest of the U S and the world. Yeah. How do you differentiate ADM from everybody else? What do you do that makes you special?
1: So as, as far as how we we position ourselves, that, that's actually changed as of late. We really operated as a, a generalist performance marketing agency. So staying in the lane of digital media. But But today, the way that we're positioning ourselves is to be experts in growth marketing for digital health brands. So really keying into a specific industry, but always staying in the lane that we've been in, which is focusing on digital media management. So specifically what that means is Paid search, paid social, and and programmatic, but now just narrowing down on on a specific vertical.
0: Yeah. So it's been a little bit of a transition. Something you have figured out? How long has have you been in
1: business total? We've been in business since really January one of twenty seventeen, so yeah. over five years now. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you very that's awesome. much. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice benchmark to hit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Have a little party. So you do a lot with Adspin, obviously. You guys are experts in that. For agencies themselves. Where do you see ad spend fitting in? How do you kind of deal with internal marketing as an agency? I know that's kind of two questions, but what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question, and you know, it's there's there's so many analogies, right? The you know the cobbler son doesn't have shoes, you know, for example, and and it's really interesting the number of agencies because naturally my my network of agencies has grown over the last five years, but it's really interesting to see how many agencies don't market themselves well, which is somewhat understandable. I mean, take ADM, for example. We specialize in direct-to-consumer. So our own marketing, our own sales is not D2C. That's not our area of expertise. But, but to answer your question, you know, I think for us, we want to position ourselves as an expert firm. We don't want to just be another agency, another chip off the block. And, sure. and so for, for any company, any agency that is positioning themselves as an expert firm, the major priority is your content strategy. How are you going to exude that type of expertise and really express your thought leadership in, in, in and through a content strategy that represents your brand and entices individuals, companies, CMOs, whomever it is to to work with you? Yeah. So in the digital space, which is our and my expertise, there's a multitude, seemingly infinite options of how you can get your content out there. Yeah. So you know, if you were a target client of mine, yes, I could reach you on Instagram. There's There's no doubt I could upload a list of relevant contacts that I get from Zoom Info. I could say people who are interested in agencies, people are interested in bookkeeping, mm-hmm. people interested in growth marketing, and I could get in front of you. But the question to ask is, is it the right context? And what you want to do is get the right information in front of the right people, but in the right context. So Instagram might not be the best place. You're probably going on Instagram to burn time. You're putting your feet up from a long day of work or distracting yourself from your work as opposed to being locked into your work or in, in a reading mindset. Cause most of the content that I would wanna put in front of you is, you know, it's going to be written cause it's gonna be in depth. Yes, is there a way to make it more creative, make it more visual and maybe express it on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Potentially, that's not what, what I do personally. But you know, I'm not gonna say you can't do it, definitely you can. But when you think about the platforms that's more relevant, it'd be more of like a LinkedIn or a Twitter approach. You know, that's where you are gonna be more amenable to the type of content that I would put in front of you to express myself and my company as a thought leader. So I think the platforms are limitless in terms of the content. You wanna think about the context of the content. And then as far as inciting action or staying top of mind, that's where you can get really creative on the ad side. In citing action. I think there's no, nothing better in the B2B space than LinkedIn lead forms. You know, you've got the right context, you've got the right content, and you've got a really seamless process of reaching an individual with the ad, and then also getting them to to fill out a form, give you their information, so you can then follow up. And then from there, you know, we think about our sales process. You know, it's four to twelve weeks, and sometimes even longer. So. We do deploy some ads on more visual platforms like an Instagram just to kind of keep that brand awareness, show our logo, tell some interesting facts about the channels we manage. So there's a lot of opportunity, but there's no question the approach is different than what we deploy for our clients.
0: You you mentioned, yeah, the cobbler's son has no shoes or whatever that saying is. Mm -hmm. Have you found that difficult personally to kind of build out the marketing and the sales portion for ADM? Is that kind of a problem that you see in agencies? Because I mean... I know, speaking as a a bookkeeping practice owner, there's a lot of bookkeepers who do their bookkeeping last, right? Like, they'll do all their clients, and then they're like, oh, shoot, like, the month closed seven days ago. I still haven't done any of my bookkeeping. You know, it's always the last priority. Do you see kind of the same thing with agencies, where where their own sales and marketing is kind of the last priority?
1: Yeah, I I definitely see that. I'm I'm thinking back to a podcast that my advisor was putting on, uh, John Morris of Ramsey Interactive, and he pulled the crowd, and it was all agency owners, I believe, or, or you know, some sort of leadership personnel from agencies. And he pulled the crowd like, "What is your biggest challenge right now?" And overwhelmingly, the most common response was lead generation. And so the irony of a bunch of marketing agencies yeah. are struggling <laughs> with lead generation again, right? right? Are there some valid excuses? Yes. Could mm-hmm. they be direct to consumer? Could their could their target market be totally different than their area of expertise? Yes, but it's it's undoubtedly a theme. And I think you know, you hear the term too, you know, sales cures all woes in business. and And there's no question you need sales. You can't only have sales because then you'll just have a business that's dying right. or or you know, fighting a really negative reputation. but but it, it's definitely a trend.
0: So you've been in business for five years. You have 25 employees. That team has grown pretty quickly. What has been some of the challenges with that? What's that process been like for you just kind of expanding and growing so quickly, which is a great thing and something that you're striving for, but I'm sure also there's a lot of difficulties and challenges with that.
1: You know, I'd say for the most part, it's been, it's been a joy. There have been challenges. I was on a flight yesterday and I watched the first 30 minutes of rounders (laughs) and, and they talked about Matt Damon talks about in rounders. He talks about, you know, like every, every poker player, remembers their their biggest losses but they don't remember the wins that they got to get to the no. point to have that big loss. But contrary to that I look back and I do highlight a lot of the positives and in particular it's the people that I've had the pleasure of working with. You know, I thought I thought I knew more than anyone when it came to Google Ads management when I started this company and I was so happy to find out that I knew nothing <laughs> compared to some of the real experts out there. And so finding those people along the way and watching the value that they create for our clients and the knowledge that they have of this platform, not just from reading about it, but from using it and discovering it themselves. Because only yeah. so much you can learn from from reading about Facebook ads or Google ads or some of these other ad platforms. Sure. You really need to infer a lot based on your own experience. Yeah. And, and so just watching the the positive contributions from from a lot of the people that we we've added to this team and have become core to the ADM family has has really what stood out to me but not not to shirk your question you know we we were joking before this about you know accounts receivable so it can always be an issue and you know that's that's kind of where you come in but there's no question as a people business where people really are our inventory you know how do people gauge the success or the scale of an agency how many people do you have and with that come people problems so so there's no question that we've had it and on a serious note when you talk about accounts receivable there have been bumps in the road where there's been people who have tried to to not pay invoices Mm -hmm. you know you get in business and you partner with the wrong people there's someone or or their company that you you didn't vet appropriately in your diagnostic process of of the sale or even the account management and you learn about the importance of your your legal contracts and and the language within those contracts and so you know it's like hey it's Better to invest five grand and, and have a lawyer write your contracts yeah. or have spend a couple hundred bucks and have a lawyer review every contract before you send it out to ensure that you don't put your team and your company in a compromising mm. position if if someone ends up being someone who you can't trust. Yeah, You know, aside from that, I think maybe more more interestingly, because that's more of an obvious one, is I think a lot about the flywheel in business and the different components that really need to revolve around each other to be able to scale effectively. You know, for the first three and a half years of, of this company, we were able to put one foot in front of the other. All right, we got a new client. I'm going to work overtime for a little bit. Like, we're going to be able to handle this. Let's start recruiting for the next person. Once we get that person, we'll bring in the next client. And and we've we've graduated for, you know, a year and a half, two years beyond that, that phase. Mm. And so for us, making sure we have that flywheel of new business coming in, right? Leads that we can count on, leads that we can close. Yeah. Recruiting hiring and training mm. if one of those pieces breaks the entire flywheel breaks yeah. so really understanding all of those components has mm. has been probably the most interesting challenge to to solve for and i think last year's a good example last year i felt like if we could solve recruiting everything would be figured out because it was so difficult you know the entire country was was really competitive yeah. in the job market but right. i think the agencies especially the digital agencies we're more competitive than they've been in the history of, of our industry. Mm. But sure enough, we solved that. We hired a, a head of recruiting internally, Melanie Shear. She's been absolutely fantastic, has transformed that area of our business. But in the meantime, my, my attention got pulled away from the lead generation, from the marketing. Yeah. So we like built this amazing tool to bring people in. But then our pipeline dried up a little bit. Mm. So the, the flywheel of business right. is something that's been really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's like juggling all the different pieces and trying to prioritize them at the right time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I think related to that is retention, right? Because you're hiring these people, you're recruiting them, you're putting all the time and the effort into that, but you want to make sure that once you hire them, they're not going to walk out the door, you know, three months later, six months later. And of course that's going to happen, but how do you kind of see retention in company culture? Because you had mentioned, you know, you worked at Google, which obviously the Silicon Valley firms are famous for like their culture and how they kind of changed that, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years. What does that look like for your business? I know that Melanie, who you mentioned, her, her title is like director of people operations, right? Yeah. You had said that, which I think is a really interesting title to kind of prove what's important in the company. But yeah, how do you see culture at ADM and, and for agencies in general? How, do, how does that kind of tie into retention?
1: Well, I love that you you brought up her title and you also mentioned Google in, in that question. I ripped that title off of Google. So Google's <laughs> HR is called okay. People Ops or People Operations. One area of my job that I loved, it actually wasn't part of my core role, but something that I got asked to do was join the culture team when I was at Google, and I ended up running this culture team with three other women. And you know, we we were the head of the culture team for 150 people. And we, I think we had like a fifty thousand dollar budget. So we would, you know, we go around with a drink cart. We would. Mm-hmm buy gear for, you know, the 150 people, you know, company swag. We would also put on events. So, working at Google teaches you about culture, but sure. being a part of that community and facilitating the community was an incredibly powerful experience for mm. me. You know, one of our values as a company, I think I built like our mission statement, our values probably once I started hiring. I didn't do that prior to for better or for worse, but one of those values is is people and just simply that, people first. Mm. And i think the way that we our culture in a lot of ways like revolves around that ideology if it's just words it's just words but the way that we put it into into a reality is we prioritize our people in terms of where we make our investments so we have always focused on how do we get better benefits how do we make this a better place to work how do we ensure that you have a work-life balance and how do we ensure as one of our top priorities, that this is a place for lifelong learning. Not everybody wants that. There's no question. But no. we're clear about communicating that in our recruiting process, that if you are someone who wants to better yourself, if you're someone who wants to invest in your career, in your mind, in your life as a professional, then this is the place for you. Yeah. And so we, we do that. And, and, you know, my advisor, I, I, I got to give him credit. He always talks about it's not a goal unless you have budget behind it. <laughs> So you can yeah. talk the talk all you want, but unless right. you're putting money behind those things, like you're, you're, you're really just all talk. Right. And so we prioritize our people in terms of the investments that we make. And then it's also important that we, we make it a fun place to work. So we started in the last two years hiring people outside Chicago. So we do have hmm. a semi-remote workforce. We put budget towards bringing everyone together twice at least twice a year. We're looking okay. to make that a quarterly schedule next year we have monthly some sort of monthly culture event whether that is sponsoring an individual team to get together and do some sort of wine tasting usually it's our whole company getting together we'll see how long that that makes sense you know sure. when you've got 30 people on a zoom it gets a little complicated <laughs> culture is very important and there's a lot of ways that you can really build it and those are some of the ways that we have
0: mm. yeah that's good because i mean every agency owner i talk to whether it's on the podcast or just in networking retention is always top of mind right Like. We're putting all this money in, investing into these people, but can we keep them? You know, and and I talked to some owners who feel just kind of almost like a constant state of stress, right? Just like, what if they leave? What's gonna happen if they leave? So it's interesting just taking those Google philosophies and moving those. And I'm sure you've kind of improved on those too in ways that you've seen, you know, not just carbon copying what Google was doing, but but taking that. So that's cool. So yeah, I guess getting getting into that then, you know, you mentioned a couple maybe slightly painful lessons, but any other painful lessons that that you've come across being an agency owner, whether it was culture related, people related, any other pieces?
1: Undoubtedly, yes. You know, I talked about the complications that can arise from people being your business. Yeah. And, and sadly, you know, despite the vast majority of the people that we've hired and worked with have been great, there, there have been exceptions to that. You know, in, in a lot of ways, I think one area that I give my team credit is whenever things go poorly we always look to ourselves and say, hey, what could we have done better? Whether it's, hey, we could have written that contract differently, or, hey, we could have, you know, what could we have done to make sure that that person had a positive experience if they felt that they didn't? But the truth is, like, it isn't always your fault. I like to think that there's always something you can do better, and there's always something to learn from it. But at the end of the day, there there are going to be those instances where people behave in a way that, you have no explanation for. And I think like that's, that's kind of the beautiful thing about people in some ways too, is it's not always predictable. Everyone's unique. Everyone's their own person. You're not always going to understand it, but Mm. I think it's important to give people the benefit of the doubt. So without saying any more, I just think, you know, there's, there's always interesting issues that arise when, when you've got a a people business.
0: Right. Right. I think that's a good mindset to have too, knowing that you can't always do something different, that you can't control people right in the same way you can put all the policies in place like you have done in a lot of ways, but you're still going to have people who have things come up outside of work or, you know, they're just, it's just not a good fit. So I think that's a good philosophy because you're never going to have a hundred percent retention, you know, mm-hmm. you're never going to be close to that. I would imagine. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I always like to ask this question, you know, we all have soap boxes that we want to stand on and things we're passionate about, right. In our industry and, and that changes, you know, from time to time, from month to month even, but is there one that that's on your mind or has been on your mind lately, where you're like, I'm just really passionate about this in our industry, or this is something that I've seen that you know I just keep thinking about. What is that for you?
1: So with with our recent repositioning of of supporting growth marketing for digital health brands, direct to consumer specifically, digital health brands, I think that in a lot of ways is is going to be a really healthy transition for our business. But a big part of why we did it and why I'm excited about it is because. That space in particular excites me. Hmm. You've got very relatable companies in the fact that they are direct to consumer, right? A lot of times it's sure. something that could benefit you or me or the other person who, who's sitting across the table. Right. And then you've got companies that are trying to grow aggressively, you've got companies that are trying to disrupt industries. So, super captivating in all those regards. And then meanwhile, and, and I know you share, share an interest in kind of having some sort of common good in the work that you do. You talked about mm-hmm. over breakfast today, some of the work you do with with immigration in this country and, and refugees. And, and I think like the beauty of these digital health brands is there's a lot of positive externalities that come mm-hmm. from them. One of our clients, a company called Nurex, they recently merged with 30 Madison. Nurix has become the largest women's telemedicine company in the United States. Wow. And their their primary offering, at least, you know, over the last 5 years has been DTC birth control. Hmm. And, you know, at the surface level, you're like, okay, birth control, yes, sure. people want that, people need that, it serves a medical benefit, but there's also a lot of people in this country that can't get it and there's contraceptive deserts and so being able to work with companies that are super interesting for all the reasons i painted but also have a positive impact on on our country and our Mm -hmm. communities is is really compelling and and the fact that we've identified an area where we can really satisfy all of those interests is is really exciting
0: yeah wow that's so cool you don't always get to pick your your clients and what they do exactly right i mean you can always be picky but when it all comes together like that and it's both a fun client that fits your niche, but also is doing some good. That is like the sweet spot. So that's so interesting. I hope you find many more clients like that. I think I actually just saw a commercial for Nurex the other day on TV. So nice. I, just, I just was running through my mind. So that's actually pretty cool.
1: Where are you streaming?
0: Yeah, I don't even remember where it was. I think it was just at a restaurant. It came, popped up on the TV. And i was love like, to hear Nurex. it. I never heard of that. So that's cool. That's awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us, Talith. I mean, so many good insights. Where can people find out about you and ADM? And what's the best place to reach you?
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking. Our website, new and improved, will be launching next month, accelerateddigitalmedia.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and you can find Accelerated Digital Media on LinkedIn as well.
0: That's awesome. All right. Check it out, listeners. Thanks again to Tom Brown and Chicago Podcast Company for hosting us today. And listeners, make sure to check out our other episodes. This is actually Telef's second time on the podcast and our host Tom has actually been on the podcast as well. So you got to go listen back to those episodes as well. Some some great stuff there. So go check it out Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, all those good places. But thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time.